0: Our scripture lesson this morning is taken from the 33rd chapter of the book of Exodus, Exodus 33, beginning at verse 12. Moses said to the Lord, You have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name and you have found favor with me. And if I have found favor in your eyes, teach me your ways so that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked, because I am pleased with you, and I know you by name. Then Moses said, Now show me your glory. And this is the word of the Lord. I have a friend who signs every letter that he writes with these words, with you on the journey. I like that. That's a good way to end the letter, with you on the journey. Because life really is a journey. And it's a journey for each one of us personally. And it's a journey for a church. As it goes through its ministry in Hebrews 11:13, the author refers to us as strangers and pilgrims on the earth we're all on a journey and what I'd like to do this morning is have us walk with Israel as they made that long journey from Egypt into the promised land. And let's look for some parallels to our own lives and to the life of the church at this point in time. The journey begins with Passover, Exodus chapter 12. The people of Israel had been in bondage in Egypt, and God said, I am now going to deliver you from that. But before I do... I want you to take a lamb, kill it, take the blood and put it on the doorposts of your home and remain in the home until I tell you to move. And you know, our journey begins when we have by faith applied the blood of Christ to our own lives. And that's where the journey of this church begins. As we acknowledge that Jesus is the only way of salvation and that he shed his blood on the cross so that we might have eternal life. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 7, Paul reminds us that Jesus our Passover has been sacrificed for us and so the journey begins when we put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ but they hadn't been gone on their journey very long before they came to a crisis they came to a body of water that was impassable there were mountains on the south a desert on the north And they looked, and lo and behold, the Egyptian army was behind them. It was an unescapable situation. They did not know what to do. Moses turned to God, and God said, Moses, stretch out your staff over the water and see what I will do. And the scripture tells us that when Moses did that, the waters parted so that the people of israel could go through and then as the egyptians came into that path the waters closed in on them and they were drowned now in our modern day many people say oh that's just a myth that's just a story that didn't really happen a few years ago i was preaching in okeechobee florida And someone who had lived there for many years shared with me a story about Lake Okeechobee. It was around the year 1900, and a great storm arose, and the wind blew over that lake, and the waters actually parted, and the people of the town, some of them at least, went down so that they could say, I have walked through Lake Okeechobee. But suddenly the wind changed, and the waters came over them, and they died. This helped me to understand that these things really happened. This is not myth. This is not story. But God, who is in control of nature, is able to do that. Just last evening, I watched a DVD about the exodus, And we were shown in that the fact that using underwater cameras attached to small submarines, they have discovered in the bottom of the Red Sea the the remains of Egyptian chariots and chariot wheels which had been broken off from the chariots just as the scripture said. So when we face a crisis, when we face a situation from which there seems to be no way out, look to God, ask him for his guidance, and then see what he will do. But after they had passed through the Red Sea, they journeyed for three days and did not have any water. You can imagine how thirsty they were, how panicked they were. And they began to grumble to Moses, we need water. And then they found some, and they ran to drink it, but it was extremely bitter. Once when I was in the country of Niger, I tried to drink the water there. The temperature was about 110 I couldn't wait to get some water, but it was bitter water. It was so bitter I couldn't I couldn't swallow it. And I I sense the frustration that the children of Israel must have, have sensed at this place called Marah. But you know there's a lesson for us here, and that is that God can make the bitter sweet. Because the Scriptures tell us that God said to Moses, There is a piece of wood. Take it and throw it into the water. And I will make the water sweet. You know, that's what God can do. He can do it for individuals. And He can do it for a church. Because God can make the bitter sweet. In Psalm 84, verse 5, it says, Blessed are those whose strength is in you, who have set their hearts on pilgrimage, on a journey. As they pass through the valley of Baca, which means weeping, they make it a place of springs. And that is the experience of the Christian. We go through some very bitter times in life, but God makes them a valley of springs. I have heard this said by so many Christians. I would never want to go through that experience again, but I wouldn't have missed it for anything. Because in that bitter experience, God revealed himself and made it A sweet experience. Well, from Mara, they went on to a place called Elam, where the scripture tells us there were 12 springs and 70 palm trees. They had found an oasis in the desert. And you know, when life gets really tough, God provides places for us where we can be refreshed it may be church it may be a Bible conference it may be a Christian camp it may be just getting away into the into the woods but God says I'll meet you there and I'm going to refresh you on the journey well they had to leave that place eventually they probably didn't want to but they had to journey again And they came to the desert of Sin. This was two months after they had come out of Egypt. And now they were hungry. They hadn't had much to eat at all along the way. The few supplies that they had brought were now gone. And they began to complain to Moses We need food. And the scripture says they really grumbled at that point and I I've I've wondered what did they say Uh, did they say there's no air conditioning in our classrooms or did they say the parking situation is very inconvenient well I don't know if that's what they said or not but they grumbled and they said Moses we need something to eat The Apostle Paul reminds all of us in Philippians 2.14, do everything without complaining or arguing. And God met the people there, and he began to feed them in a miraculous way. The scripture says that he sent a strong east wind, which blew the quail into the camp. And they were able easily to catch the quail and kill them, cook them, and eat them. And then God provided the miracle of manna. Every morning, they found something that was sweet and tasty on the ground. They could pick it up and have enough to eat that day. God provided what they needed. In John chapter 6... Our Lord Jesus talks about the manna that God gave in the wilderness. And I'd like to just read some of his words as he taught the people about this. John chapter 6, verse 32. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. It is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Verse 41. At this the Jews began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. Jesus is the bread from heaven. And God feeds us. With Jesus' presence. It's, it's an amazing thing. God said to Moses, tell the people, every morning, pick up as much food as you need for the day. And on the day before the Sabbath, you can pick up twice as much because I don't want you to pick it up on the Sabbath day. And then God added this, and each family may have all that they need. Now, if Jesus is the manna from heaven, then we can have all of Jesus that we need. And we don't ever have to go without his presence or without his strength. The problem for most of us is we don't ask for Jesus to meet our need. We worry instead. We try to solve the problem ourselves. And God says, no, you can have all of Jesus that you need or want. And then the people of Israel journeyed to a place called Rephidim. And now again, they were thirsty. They had no water to drink and Moses said to God, what am I going to do? They are almost ready to stone me. Now, I can identify with Moses at that point because on uh, one of the trips that we led to the Holy Land, it became a fiasco. Uh, our travel agent here in the United States had said, uh, here's the way you'll do this trip from Cairo Cairo. Down because see I wanted to go to Mount Sinai I wanted to see st. Catherine's monastery and so we mapped the trip down and we were going to follow the route of the Exodus the problem was that my travel agent here in the States didn't realize that st. Catherine's monastery closed at 11 o'clock in the morning and so for us to make that journey and have it mean anything We had to get up at 3 o'clock in the morning, be on the bus at 4 o'clock in the morning, and then drive six hours down to uh, St. Catherine's Monastery. I was the only one on the bus that was awake. Everybody else was asleep. And when we got to the monastery, we had uh, very primitive conditions. The sheets, I am sure, Moses himself had used. And it, it was just a chaos. And my wife came to me and she said, you know, I think they're ready to stone you. <laughs> and she said, you better talk to them. You better talk. And I see some of you were with us on that trip. And I had to give a desperate speech just to be able to get through that day until we could get to a very nice hotel in Tiberias. But Moses said to God, they're ready to stone me. What am I going to do? God said, take that staff and just strike that rock and I'll send forth water from the rock. And that's exactly what happened. In 1 Corinthians 10, verse 4, Paul writes, They drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. And from Christ, from his riven side, flowed forth blood and water, and we may drink of him and be satisfied. Jesus said to the woman at the well, If you had known who you were talking to, you would have asked me for a drink, and I would have given you living water. And then in John 7, verse 38, Jesus said, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. As the Scripture says, He who believes in me out of his innermost being, will flow rivers of living water. And John then explains that and said by this Jesus was referring to the Holy Spirit. Oh, what a joy when in a dry place in a dry situation to come to Christ and to be able to drink from him. So this was a victory I'm sure the people were very encouraged because of that. But then when we come to chapter 17, verse 8, there's a statement that is so typical of life. And I like the way the old King James put it. It tells all about the victory and the water from the rock. And then it says, and then came Amalek, and there was a war. And they had to fight for their uh, existence. It was a terrible situation. And, you know, that's exactly what happens to us as individuals. And it can happen to a church, too. That after some wonderful experience, then comes Amalek. And we have opposition. And we have to fight for our existence well how do you do it well this is the way Israel did it Joshua led the army down in the valley Moses went up on the mountain with Aaron and Hur, and prayed for victory and it says that when his arms were up Israel prevailed when he grew tired and his arms came down The enemy prevailed. And so Aaron and Hur took his arms and held them up until sunset. And they won the battle. And then God said to Moses, I want you to write this down. And I want to be sure that Joshua understands that he didn't win the battle all by himself. That it was prayer that brought about the victory a church that I often attend is going through a crisis right now. And you know how they're trying to solve it? By committee meetings. And I've said, solve it by prayer. Pray to God. Ask God to deliver. Don't depend on your own strength and your own wisdom. And I'm sure that at this point, the people of Israel must have become very, very tired. The weeks went into months, the months went into years, and they were tired. On the same trip that I mentioned a, a minute ago, I climbed to the top of the traditional Mount Sinai. About four-fifths of the way is pretty gradual and and not too bad. But the final fifth is almost straight up. And the monks from the monastery have put in stairs, but it is one hard climb. It's about 8,000 feet high. Well, I climbed it, and I was getting very tired It was a hot day. We were in the desert, and I was really hot. And some of the folks with me were saying, I can't go on. And I'd say, yes, you can. You can. Come on. Let's go a little further. And then they'd stop. I can't go any further. I said, come on. We can do it. We can do it. And we finally got to the top. It was... uh, I, I... had devotions planned to read uh, the Ten Commandments up there and all. It was going to be a great spiritual experience. We finally get to the top, and two little Arab boys jump out, Coca-Cola, one dollar, one dollar. (laughs) Kind of ruined my devotional. (laughs) But it, it it was such a joy to get to the top. Then we turned around, and we went back down that hard fifth of the way, and I met my daughter, Kimberly. And she said, oh, Daddy, I wanted to climb Mount Sinai with you. So we turned around and went back up again. And this time she's saying, come on, Daddy, you can do it. But the, the mutual encouragement when you get tired is so important. You know, I, I was thinking about this whole situation some of you come early in the morning, set up these chairs, and set up the, the visuals, and, and the sound, and all. And, oh, it must get tiring. I would think that some of you are very tired, and I would sure understand it. But you know what God said to Moses and to the people? He said, my presence will go with you, and I will will give you rest we need to press on we can't give up we can't allow ourselves to become too discouraged remind yourself of 1 Corinthians 15:58 stand firm let nothing move you Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Uh, One time I climbed Mount Monadnock. Now, I am not a mountain climber by nature. You know, some people say I climbed the mountain because it was there. I say, I saw the mountain was there and I went around (laughs) it. But one time I climbed Mount Monadnock. And it was a hot summer day and our guide said, don't give up and don't keep looking ahead to how much more you've got to go. Stop, turn around and see how far you have come. You know, that's mighty good advice when you're climbing a mountain. And it's good advice when you get tired. You know, I just did a little simple math. And if we're really on schedule and we get into the new church on Easter Sunday, you've already gone past the halfway mark. So don't look ahead with discouragement, but look back at what's already happened and how God has blessed in this particular journey. In Galatians 6, 9, Paul writes, Let us not become weary in doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not faint. And then the Bible tells us that Israel renewed the covenant out there in the desert. And this is what we all need to do from time to time. I've had to renew my covenant with God a number of times. As you drift away, you become a little careless. You you begin to lose that first love. And you need to come back to the Lord and say, Oh, Lord, I want to renew my covenant with you. And sometimes churches need to do that too. To come back as a body and say, Lord, we need your presence. Touch us in a new, fresh way. And then God warned Moses and said, don't make any treaty with the enemy. Don't compromise your position as my people. And then they were told to bring offerings in the desert, in the middle of a journey, they were commanded to bring offerings. And I can almost hear them, but we're on a journey. We're, we're on a fixed income. In fact, we're on no income at all. What are, how are we going to give? But God said, give what you have, and I will take care of the rest. And when you're on a journey, it's not a time to stop your giving. It's a time to increase it. And then this statement, and I love it, from Exodus 16, verse 10. And they looked toward the desert, and there was the glory of the Lord. Moses had prayed, Lord, show me your glory. Pam Helm, whom is, who is known to many of you and is a dear friend of ours, recently had an experience she was in Hawaii on a special time with some special friends and they were on a catamaran and we're going from one island to another and Pam who had been really seeking after God's presence in her life prayed and sort of out loud she said Lord show me your glory And within seconds, a big whale came out of the water and splashed against that catamaran. And Pam prayed again, Lord, show me your glory. And more whales came, and and it was just a magnificent thing. And the captain of the ship said, I've never seen anything like it before. Pam said, I don't make that uh, like a, a genie coming out of a bottle. But she said, I love to pray that prayer. Show me your glory. And friends, that's what we need to do. We need to be praying individually and as a church. Lord, show me your glory. And when this had happened, ultimately they reached their goal. And in Joshua 21:43 it says so the Lord gave Israel all the land he had sworn to give their forefathers and they took possession of it and settled there the Lord gave them rest on every side not one of all the Lord's good promises to the house of Israel failed every one was fulfilled And friends, if we journey with the Lord, we'll come to our destination too. For the believer, it's heaven. For this church, right at this point in time, it's a new building. And God will lead us as we trust in him and ask him to show us his glory. And never forget this. God ends every one of his letters with these words, with you on the journey. Let's pray together. Lord, we are sincere this morning. When we pray, show us your glory. We need your presence. We need your touch. Continue to lead us as individuals and as a church. All for your glory. Amen.